Evening, passengers. This is your conductor speaking. Take your seats, keep all arms, tentacles, and other appendages inside the hearse at all times. We wouldn't want any unhappy accidents, now would we? Tonight's brought to you by the dark underbelly of the mythological and factual world. It may not be appropriate for all the little cryptids in your home. Be sure to tuck them into their coffins with a kiss goodnight, because we're revving up for our road trip to the grave. Hey, everybody. Oh. <laughs> Damn, look at us. Ma'am. Uh, hey, guys, I'm Matu. Hey, guys, I'm Shelby. And this is another duet episode for Shelby and I. We're going to be continuing the story of the Ouija board. And Shelby's going to be enlightening us in some very fun uh, titillating tales uh, that were spawned by uh, one of our viewers, Michael. Uh, not not <laughs> Michael, as in Shelby's husband, who is on our Wednesday episodes, but my friend Michael, who also happens to live in the same state, Wild. Uh, Michael's a common name. Who knows? Anyway, I mean, my he uncle's name was Michael. like, man, I listened to your episode, and did you ever hear about this? And I was like, I have not. So I was very excited. And Shelby is currently wearing a bonnet, and um, I saw a goodie proctor. <laughs> Communing with the devil. She was using a spirit board. <laughs> and he went back. Oh my god, I'm crying. Okay. Um, I found it and I was like, I'm gonna. I'm you gonna found surprise. it. I did. I found it. And did Baby Possum hide it again? No, the kids hid it like the stupidest fucking place. I found it in like a drawer in the kitchen and I was like, why? <laughs> I saw Goody Proctor talking to the devil with a spirit board. Uh, uh yeah so that was fun <laughs> that yeah. was stuck on my headphones <laughs> okay i have a would you i have a uh would you rather for you oh yes please tell me <laughs> it is the most it's it wasn't even the funniest one i found it was just so like stupidly elaborate that i was like okay i have to ask i have to ask him this are you ready i'm ready would you be <laughs> would you rather be forced to dance all day every day until you get a perfect score on Dancing with the Stars, or be forced to eat mashed potatoes until you get a perfect score on Beat the Chefs. Mashed potatoes, hands fucking down. <laughs> Irish ancestors come to me. <laughs> the Irish ancestors are just like, we love this for you while you're bubbling your fucking <laughs> face full of mashed potatoes. <laughs> Little do you know, mashed potatoes are my depression food. I love mashed potatoes. Fuck I don't yeah, like- dude like three of the kids don't like mashed potatoes and i'm like what is wrong with you how dare they mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. that's offensive it is offensive i was like that's a sin <laughs> i just felt my grandfather who came to this land from dublin ireland <laughs> roll over in his grave he's like literally we couldn't have mashed potatoes at one point because of the potato famine and here right? you are how dare you with an overabundance <laughs> of fucking potatoes and you won't eat them that is for shame <laughs> oh, God. okay please yes. please inform me because uh, i know you said you had a, a big a, a biggie for the, the oh weekend. i do so just a couple like little things that i found like before I read you that story because it's bonans. <laughs> bonans. It's bonans. So while I was looking for that, I also learned that in the year 1960, Ouija boards outsold Monopoly. 
Oh my god. Isn't no wonder Hasbro wild? fucking bought it. <laughs> Isn't that wild? You like you would think that like past like I they pop back up during like World War One. Right, right. For reasons I'll talk about. But it's so wild to me that it literally outperformed Monopoly. <laughs> I love that for society. I know. I love that for all of you. Um, I get my 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 second my non uh free uh range Ouija, Ouija board tomorrow. My free range. My free oh, range on the wall my right grass behind grass me. Fed, my, my grass, grass fed, fed right? <laughs> grass board. fed free range. Uh, <laughs> but no, I could not pass up a 50% off on the Ouija board for Stranger Things because oh, it's got Joyce's um, Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's the lights from the wall from season one. I'm super stoked. I love that. So just some interesting things that I found because as we learned with like the Fox sisters, they did not really use spirit boards. In mm -hmm. fact, spirit boards weren't used much back then anyway. It was more so like, especially with the Fox sisters, how they would knock, they would pop their joints to emulate that, you know, um, knocking noise and things like that. So where you really see the Ouija board pop back up is during World War I. And it wasn't even necessarily that they wanted to communicate with the dead. They kind of believed that an Ouija board could tap into like the collective consciousness and you could talk to anybody with it. So instead of writing letters, some people would hold conversations with the Ouija board, which made me pretty sad. Could you imagine? I mean, I guess if both sides are doing it, you don't really feel like that. Like, you Is know, it like OG long distance? <laughs> OG long distance where they were just like, I'll just talk to them through my handy dandy. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Sliding into your Ouija board mm -hmm. instead of your DMs. Exactly. <laughs> Girl, let me slide into that Ouija board. <laughs> oh my I'm gonna, God. I'm going to possess your planchette. Oh my god. <laughs> possess your planchette. Who needs those hugging pillows? No, 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 no. Who needs a waifu pillow? When no. <laughs> I got that Ouija board life. I got that Ouija board life. Imagine if people use it as early Tinder. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the early period, my Canadian girlfriend. <laughs> literally, literally swiping left. I'm like, literally no. like i have a girlfriend and she lives in canada like, literally <laughs> i met her through a spirit board i i think she's cute i mean she described her face and you know <laughs> it was very detailed she also, has two eyes <laughs> also machu's friend that was like discussing the use of the board during world war ii sent this really funny like story about sir arthur conan doyle and harry houdini because like we said before Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, I didn't know that, that he was like hardcore in the like, spiritualism. Yeah. Like to the point where Harry Houdini was like, I'm not doing real magic. And Sir Arthur and he Conan was like, Doyle yes, was like, are. bitch, yes, you are. This is magic. I cannot. <laughs> uh, Doyle, no. They literally fell out. Like they were no longer friends because Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was like, you're doing magic. And Harry Houdini was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> you just think I am, which is the fucking point. <laughs> I'm supposed to look oh. like magic, Doyle. <laughs> so when Sir Arthur Conan Doyle died, 
people were like, he's coming to me through the spirit board and I am talking to him. And his family was like, no, he's not. Because you can only talk to him through us. And you have to pay a fee if you want to talk to him through us. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't know you could gatekeep the fucking spirit realm. Hold on, gatekeeping my Ouija board? I have the only free-range Ouija board known to man. <laughs> the only one. Known That's... to this man. <laughs> this is what Matu's friend said. If you really wanted to hear from Doyle's spirit, you needed to pay to attend their seance. They held it in a big theater, but played organ music over all of Doyle's responses from beyond in order to keep his private messages to his family private. <laughs> His, your friend said, personally, I think they could have done that by not inviting the public to the seance. Exactly. <laughs> Can you imagine? They're all, we're going to hold a seance and you guys are invited, but also don't listen. <laughs> don't listen. Keep your ears shut. How put, dare you? Put cotton in your ear holes and do not listen. <laughs> but yeah, so th those were some interesting things. And then, oh boy, did I find a doozy of a story. Let me, uh, pull it up so when i was looking for um like references to spearboard use in world war ii i found this article also this article uses some words that i'm not wild about so i'm just gonna replace them with words that i feel are more fitting i'll say like medium or spirit board or things like that because i get like maybe during that point the word was not a racial slur but it is now so speaking of last night i was playing dead by daylight and someone called me the 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 c double o n word excuse me yeah because i told i asked them why they were still hitting me after i was on the hook because it doesn't do anything and it's just like gross sweaty behavior and uh then they told uh eli that they fucked their mother and um my that mother too like and i was like well my child. mom's dead so uh, what does fun that with make her corpse. you i was like a necro and he, he said basically shut up see and it was like bro what that sounds like an edgelord 12 year old right oh that's what eli said go uh, and uh, eli was like do your parents know you play this game <laughs> isn't it your bedtime honey <laughs> but yeah nope. so Go brush your teeth. Go meet me. Speaking of those <laughs> words, people still use them. That's true. So that is why we're omitting that from words like that will be omitted yes. from the show period. Yes, yes. So the title of this article is A Homemade Ouija Board, A Treasure Hunt, and Fake Madness, The Great Escape of World War I. Imprisoned in a prisoner of war camp in Turkey at the height of World War I, a British barrister and an Australian mechanic devised an audacious exit strategy involving a homemade Ouija board, a fake treasure hunt, and nerves of steel. Just to get into the description of the story, it was the most remarkable prison break in history. I That may be a little grandiose, but <laughs> it's pretty impressive. <laughs> In 1918, as World War I raged on, seemingly without end, two young British officers escaped from a remote Turkish prison camp by means of an Ouija board. The plot seemed born of a fever dream. <laughs> a meticulously conceived, rigorously engineered confidence game worked for more than a year on their Ottoman captors. It was precisely the method by which our real-life heroes, Elias Henry Jones and Cedric Waters Hill, 
broke out of, I hope I say this right, Yozgad, an isolated prisoner of war camp high in the mountains of Anatolia. Using a handmade Ouija board, Jones and Hill would ensnare their captors in an elaborate piece of participatory theater entailing candlelight seances, magical illusion, and a hunt for buried gold with clues seemingly planted by ghosts. If all went according to plan, Yozgad's commandant, an iron-fisted Ottoman army officer, would gleefully conduct Jones and Hill along their escape route and the Ottoman government would pay their travel <laughs> expenses. If their con was discovered, it would mean a bullet in the back for each of them. So Jesus. basically, yeah, it's do or die, basically, in this for whole thing. Jones and Hill's hoax, one of the only known examples of a con game being used for good instead of ill. I disagree. but <laughs> Also required them to feign mental illness, stage a double suicide attempt that came perilously close to turning real, and endure six months in a Constantinople asylum, an ordeal that drove them to the edge of actual madness. Yet in the end, they won their freedom. But how in the world could such a preposterous strategy actually be able to succeed? The astounding story was first outlined in Jones's memoir, The Road to Endor, published in 1919. It was intended as a cautionary tale about how breathtakingly easy it is to become a spiritualist charlatan, a species of war profiteer that flourished between 1914 and 1918 to wring dividends from bereaved families. Jones's title was a deliberate nod to Endor, a bitter poem by Rudyard Kipling, himself the father of a fallen soldier, in which he decried such mountebanks. The road to Endor is easy to tread, for mother of yearning wife, there it is sure we shall meet our dead as they were even in life. The title Endor invokes the biblical witch of Endor from the first book of Samuel, whom Saul asked to conjure Samuel's spirit. Jones was the scheme's chief architect, and his memoir dwells minutely on how the ruse worked, detailing a web of planning, rehearsal, and performance. There is less analysis, however, of why. The precise ingredients of the psychological cocktail that let him, as he wrote, transform his captors into clay in the potter's hands. Hill's memoir, uh, it has the word I don't like to use in it, so um, I you could probably just look up hill's memoir honestly i doubt he wrote many books right but um it was published posthumously in 1975 and it likewise favors the exposition over the explanation because we all we all love drama the two protagonists could not have been more different jones in his mid-30s was a welsh-born artilleryman the oxford educated son of a lord his father, Sir Henry Jones, was one of the world's most eminent moral philosophers. He was trained as a barrister, and he married his childhood sweetheart while serving as magistrate in the British Burma. Uh, he had a baby daughter, and he enlisted with the Indian Reserve of Officers in the spring of 1915. Hill was an Australian-born flyer. He was a bachelor in his late 20s who had been a mechanic on a Queensland sheep station. When the war was declared, he longed to join up as a trainee pilot. But at that point, planes were only like a decade old, so they didn't really have a fully functioning like military air corps. So he sailed to England and enlisted in the Royal Flying Corps, which was the, per the precursor to the RAF. For both men, the road to Yazgad was replete with hardship. For Hill, a forced landing in a six-hour shootout with Ottoman forces in Egypt. For Jones, a desperate five-month siege at Kudal Amara, which is in present-day Iraq. Followed by a forced march through 2,000 miles of brutal country during which scores of men would die. 
What they also had in common was they were both incredibly intelligent, they had vivid imaginations, and a willingness to risk their lives for a chance at freedom. The trouble was that the freedom from Yazgad was considered unattainable. For part of a constellation of World War I prison camps spread over Turkey, it was among the most remote, laying about 150 miles south of the Black Sea and 300 miles north of the Mediterranean. So uh, this camp was like specifically for, the word they used here was incorrigibles. <laughs> incorrigible. So, incorrigibles. Those British officers deemed most likely to escape. <laughs> They're all, mm, you look like you could get away. <laughs> You're sus. <laughs> You're sus. You're going to the jail for super for sus people. For sus people. <laughs> the nearest railway station, Angora, which is present day Ankara, was five days' journey by cart through forbidding terrain like jagged mountains, the Anatolian desert. It compares it to Alcatraz. But uh, there were about 100 British officers interred here, and most of them obviously were like, how can we get out of here? <laughs> because, again, these are all people who they're like, mm, we feel like you could get away. So on the orders of the Commandant Kiazim Bay, an escape attempt by any one of them would bring severe reprisals, including lockdown, isolation, and even execution for everybody. So like if one person escaped, you were risking everybody. It's like the worst version of if you don't share your bubble gum with everyone in class, you can't ha I can't have any. Yeah, I would fucking say so. <laughs> the worst version of that ever. <laughs> if you don't share your, your version, bubble gum with class, you'll all die. In your version, no one gets bubble gum. In their version, everyone <laughs> Everybody dies. gets shot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Men of honor, the prisoners swore to one another that they would not flee. But some, including Jones and Hill, dreamed of liberty. The question was how to attain it without compromising the safety of their countrymen. Their plot began as a lark, remanded to Yazgrad in the summer of six, or ni 16, 1916. Jones and Hill spent their time, much as their fellow prisoners did, trying to save off the despair and boredom that are hallmarks of life in captivity. The inmates had already tried chess, poker, and roulette with a wheel made of from a discarded door. <laughs> but distractions had paled over time. What, the homemade roulette wheel made from a door? That got boring? <laughs> uh, how dare. They're like, what do we even gamble? <laughs> Our souls, apparently. Uh, if right. you lose, you have to go try and run away. Right. Just kidding. <laughs> They're all... You lost it, Roulette. It's your turn to try escaping. <laughs> right. <laughs> Suicide time. Oof. Then in February 1917, Jones got a postcard from an aunt in Britain. Knowing that her nephew needed to fill his long, empty days, she suggested he try experimenting with a Ouija board. Yes, <laughs> like you do. As one <laughs> does. Nephew, I heard that you're bored. Um, so here's a board. <laughs> No, she didn't even send him one. She's just all, hey, have you considered, like, trying this? <laughs> the war had renewed the spiritualist ardor that had suffused the Victorian age, rallying adherents in Britain, the U.S., and on the continent around spiritualism's central tenet that through the agency of a spirit medium, it was possible for the living to communicate with the dead. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, you know, so they were able to make a roulette wheel. So, you know, I mean, in comparison, I feel like an Ouija board <laughs> was pretty easy. Yeah. So wielding a handmade Ouija board built like all of the Yazgad prisoners furnishings were from salvage. 
Jones began faking seances for his fellow captives. His bona fides as a spirit medium were aided greatly by his stellar visual memory, which let him internalize the positions of the letters that were arrayed randomly around the homemade board. Oh my God. Right? Like, amazing. So, as a result, he was able to work the board blindfolded, subtly guiding the inverted water tumbler that served as a planchette. This prowess persuaded many of his fellow captives that June that Jones was actually receiving messages from the dead. Oh my god. So not only is he successfully like tricking the guards, he's also tricking the people who are there with him. Everybody's that level like, of memory though. Jesus. Yes, especially because they weren't like lined up like the modern spirit board. It said mm-hmm. they were just randomly like on, on the board. there. They're just that's, on there. That's wild to me. Right. So, though a few of the officers had been spiritualist believers at the start, they came to cherish the knights at this uh, spirit board, (laughs) which spelled out communications from a panoply of shades. The flirtatious Sally, the gentle Dorothy, the cantankerous American Silas P. Warner, and the commanding presence only known as the, I'm going to call it the spirit, because that's where the word I don't want to say comes into play. Oof. Uh, there was no place to which we could not go, nothing we could not see with the spirit's eyes or hear with his ears, Joan wrote in 19... 19- Jones! What is wrong mm. with my mouth today? Everything. Jones wrote in 1919. <laughs> a successful night at the spirit board was the nearest we could get outside of our dreams to a breath of freedom. Which makes me really sad. That, yeah, it makes me sad for them, to be honest. That's uh, Like, that's what they had to look forward to. Yeah, I can't really see the reasoning behind it, the desire to... Truly. It's much like reading a book, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, what is reading a book but staring at a dead tree and hallucinating for hours? Right, vividly hallucinating. (laughs) Vividly hallucinating, yes. So it started off as no more than a practical joke in a way to, you know, pass the time. But one day in the autumn of 1917, a young official sidled up to Jones and he said, Can the spirit find a buried treasure? Oh my it had God. long been rumored in Yazgad that a wealthy local Armenian anticipating the mass killings of hundreds of thousands of Armenian by the Ottoman Turks in 1915 to 1916 had been buried somewhere nearby. And that oh apparently God. the camp officials had been digging for it. And so the Khan was born. Oh. <laughs> Over the coming months, working under constant surveillance and with limited resources, Jones and Hill would need a perfect Ouija-guided hunt for the non-existent treasure with clues that were quote-unquote planted by the ghosts. <laughs> if I could do to the Turks what I had succeeded in doing to my fellow prisoners, Jones would write, if I could make them believers, there was no saying what influence I might not be able to exert over them. It might even open the door to freedom. And so it would, by virtue of impeccable planning, immense personal risk and no small amount of luck. At the Ouija board, Jones was eventually able to convince his captors that there was a big hoard of gold somewhere buried in Turkey if they would lead the two mediums from the prison in search of it. Hills. Oh, dang. So what's really cool too is, so Jones has this amazing ability to like remember where all the spots are, like make everyone believe that he was really good at it. Mm-hmm. Hill was very talented at sleight of hand. Oh. Yes. So it let him dupe their jailers with spirit manifestations. And it's described as, like, being so good, it would probably be the envy of the, like, most talented of the Victorian mediums. Oh, that's insane. 
Yes. So as they reeled Yozgad's officials ever more deeply into the cons, Jones and Hill definitely exploited not only their avarice, but their need to believe in a larger and all-knowing force. Like, I mean, this is during World War One, so I'm sure right. they want to believe in like anything. This is such a dark time in history. Yeah, for sure. And then over time, the ruse required the con men to bury a set of cryptic clues to the treasure's whereabouts in the countryside and to like ensnare their captors into digging for them. Right. They would then use a secret camera to photograph their captors in the act. And then they would have like tangible evidence, basically an insurance policy to guarantee their comrades' safety. You can actually find um, photographs. There's one in this article of the. Oh, neat. Yeah, of them like digging for the treasure, being like, oh shit. And then. Wild. Yes. So all of this was going really well according to plan. And then the day before they were supposed to be taken out of the prison someone ratted them out <gasps> no another yes. prisoner yes who does that i don't know like bitch you could have made that work for you why would you do that they could have so, all gotten free they could have but then they were like you're gonna get bubble gum and i'm not gonna get bubble gum <laughs> Bo- bootlicker's gonna lick yeah oh, i would God. like bubble gum so y- you're waist deep in this plan and you knew all along that uh, if you failed, you were fucked. So knowing you're fucked, what do you do? I you, fucking lie harder. I don't you fucking fake know. A, you fake a mental illness, of course. Oh, well, yeah, I guess. So that makes the most logical sense. Their plan B was to have themselves committed to a mental hospital in the chance that they could convince the psychiatrist that they were insane and then be repatriated to Britain in an exchange of sick prisoners so there was a british army doctor that was with them at the prison and walked them through how to fake a mental illness to the doctors yes so they i it is like beyond me how these people were like oh they're faking it because they find out about the plan and then they're like oh shit they've been lying the whole time like trying to get out and then the next day they have mental illnesses after they've been going at this plan for like a really long time i mean hey it worked but <laughs> good for them i good mean for them. so again lie harder <laughs> lie harder be like no, lie harder they're jealous of my my psychic prowess <laughs> that's all it is <laughs> So, basically, the prison guards get permission to take them to Haidar Pasha Hospital in Constantinople. And to shore up their credentials as madmen, um, content warning right here, they attempted to hang themselves. Oh, Jesus. It says within limits, quote unquote, but I want to know what the fuck that means. So, like, with your tie around your neck? What are you doing there? Right? They're oh, all... Oh, my God. Uh, like till you i i don't know i'm not gonna try and work out what they meant by that <laughs> no don't want to so, know confined at haidar pasha for six months jones and hill were under constant supervision and they were under the suspicion of malingering which is basically like you're trying to appear sick to right. like get to stay somewhere and they were subjected by the doctors to a series of like traps and tests but they they got through it okay. and so in the end they basically 
made themselves look mad enough to fool the doctors. There's a picture of like the six doctors here that were the ones that were in charge of monitoring them and trying to determine if they were indeed madmen. And then in October of 1918, they were repatriated to Britain. <laughs> well, hot damn, good for them. They actually got really lucky too because had they not gotten out, it's they may have easily been among the dozens of inmates who died because of a Spanish flu uh, oh, outbreak in the prison in 1918. Oh my God, talk about timing. Yes. Uh, after that, they basically became friends. They stayed friends. It just really shows how simple it is to... I mean, I wouldn't say simple. It did take a long time to convince... Mm-hmm. the guards like that they were mediums and that you know they had these powers they were gonna get this fucking treasure and all this stuff but it just goes to show you that you know if you have like the sleight of hand if you have the showmanship you you could pull this shit off because when i read this i was like this is bonanza <laughs> oh yeah and like mediums themselves are still like a thing like oh, we I know. still have them on fucking TV and shit. Um, there was this documentary a while back where they had like a hidden camera and they had the psychic come over and they hand her a picture and they're like, this is my dead husband. I miss him so much. I just want to talk to him. And then so the the medium is like, I feel his presence. He's here. He says that he loves. They have him walk out. <laughs> That's funny as fuck. I would have spun that shit. I'd be like, I'm not dead. (laughs) I would have been like, damn, I really was feeling his presence, wasn't I? Right? Because he's here. Yeah, look at him standing right there. Hey. I just unlocked a new thing. I can talk to, I can feel the presence of other living entities. Good for me. I'm going to help the, I'm going to go help the police find missing people now. Side note, before we get into like Pearl Current and shit, in Texas, a um, investigation squad has located 70 children between the ages of 10 and 17 that were missing within the last three weeks. What? The majority of which were being sexually trafficked, like sex trafficked. Ugh. And they're providing free counseling and therapy for the children and their parents. Yes, they deserve that. But like seventy kids have gone home. Seventy kids. That's so insane. I love seventy that. kids saved from a life. I, mean, I don't that, love that it happened trauma. to them, but I love that they were able to get back home. Me too. Me too. And like healing can now begin. You know what Was I mean? Was it like one major sting where they just happened to find a whole bunch of them? I, it, several different locations. Somewhere in Mexico. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, they found some in Colorado. Uh, but most luckily, I think the same sound like they were local, but oh, okay. within Texas, they found a bunch in Dallas. Um, but the, the operation started in El Paso. Oh, okay. But I read that on the news today and I was like, God, you know, cause with everything going on in the news right now, it was nice to hear something good, you know, that is, that's great. Yeah. Because we know sex trafficking is a huge epidemic in oh, uh, yeah. all Even, over. Like- here in my town there are billboards mm-hmm. like because it's such a problem like there are billboards in an area where it happens a lot and even like like 
there are so many people where like the situation has been innocent enough but i'm like if i heard that i would immediately assume that that was trafficking like yeah you have to be so careful even if it's a situation where it wasn't trafficking like it was an innocent thing just yeah. like if someone tells you that you're like so beautiful and that like you could be a model and they want to photograph you somewhere later and you're like 16 or younger or even yeah. even if you're older like because they do take older women too yes they do they yeah. take anybody they don't give a fuck they take boys girls anybody with you know not trans kids who go missing all the time yes so, please be careful yes <laughs> please please please, please please be careful we love uh, all of you be careful <laughs> yes absolutely that uh did you have anything else to share on your end before we get into i didn't i just when okay. i read that story i was like i have to read this to Bantu because this is crazy so before we get started in pearl current i found out about pearl through um just a rabbit hole uh somebody had said that you can't have a coven unless it's 13 witches and i was like isn't that wicca because my brain was oh, like wasn't that, that, doesn't that wasn't that on your twitter uh no it was on twitch it was on oh, somebody twitch. somebody else's twitch stream right. that we were talking in the uh chat and i was like no no i'm pretty sure that's wrong but let me go double check right because like maybe you're right I'm yeah. really I'm willing to be wrong. I love being educated. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I look it up and I'm like, Pearl Curran is the mother of this idea. She believed that the number 13, which was uh the 13th member is your like high priestess, and then the the uh 12 are your like coven members uh always had to be women apparently according to her and um she said dianic wicca in my good neighborhood <laughs> yeah she's actually like the proto of dianic wicca gross yeah very gross and um her belief is that the number 13 is the closest to the devil see that is that's christian church propaganda right that's some absolute trash uh she has been debunked obviously uh but she's like proto mom of the dianic wicca feminist wicca practices uh, all right so that aside aside from the wiccan stuff because there was a few articles that i read where she like claims to be an egyptologist and all this stuff and it's all like just straight up not true apparently good thing stephanie's not in this episode <laughs> gosh probably loser shit but we're going to talk about the main reason Pearl Curran is an important name. And this all has to do with patience worth. The ghost who produced many bo books. Oh, the, the literal ghost writer? The literal ghost writer. So, um... The growth of the Ouija board expands in the 19 or in the 1890s, first as spiritualism does, right? Mm -hmm. uh, becomes way more attached to the board. And uh, while we don't dispute the fact, like we said last episode, that the Ouija board is a capitalist venture um, and just like a parlor game, people did not agree. <laughs> <laughs> people no. still do not agree um in the 1900s the board becomes a regular tool for seances and some people even contact the dead for sport <laughs> and i was just like so you mean like that the 
Adventures of Bill and Ted. You remember that episode, that part of the movies where their parents are like playing with a Ouija board and accidentally contact them? <gasps> You've never seen it. No. <laughs> Am I that old? You're old. Like you're... I'm like three years older than you. No, you're not. You're like 10 months older than me. <laughs> Wait, how old are you? 31 i'll be 32 in a couple why did i think you were 29 um (laughs) you're welcome (laughs) people think i'm 22 (laughs) yeah uh so anyway (laughs) this starts going beyond the parlor games and then and mediums of the time period and all that it just gets huge right becomes a Mm -hmm. part of weekend practice everything well it, it was also very important to Pearl Curran. Mm. Uh, so she's a housewife from St. Louis, Missouri, um, through whom the Patience Worth books were produced. On July 8th, 1913, Curran... Also, Pearl was her publisher. A Pearl was her, like, her ghostwriter? The ghost ghostwriter? Shut up. I'm not fucking kidding. Her husband I, helped I'm leaving. You. No, I'm leaving. Yeah. You can't because <laughs> I have so much to tell you. <laughs> so Curran, I've heard enough. <laughs> <laughs> heard enough. Leaves. Uh, Kern and her uh, friend Emily Grant Hutchings were playing with the Ouija board when it moved under her hands at a rapid rate. Uh, the message. The bitch didn't flick it. <laughs> <laughs> the message spells out. Many moons ago, I lived. Again, I come. Patience worth my name. So, is it just like... (laughs) I don't fucking know! Uh, So, over the months to come, Patient apparently has an entire literary works produced. I have questions. All of which were written speaking as if from the 17th century of England. Questions. I have so many questions. What's little Missouri ma'am doing? What is she doing? How is this happening? I have questions, but I don't want the answer to them because I feel <laughs> like I'm just going to want to drive my head into the wall even right? harder than I currently already do. So Pearl's husband, John, assumes the job of transcribing these sessions. So <laughs> basically how it goes is Patience apparently sits at this Ouija board, hand on planchet, and he types every letter as she reads them out to him. No, no, thing. not girl. Kidding. They what? did five hundred to three thousand words per sitting. No, I'm good. I'm okay. No, mm-mm, I cannot. Uh, just, I need a ghost to come tell me how to write my next sentence because I am struggling. I cannot. I was so I'm so upset about this. Friends and others come to St. Louis to see the, the works being transcribed. So like she gets this huge thing of people watching her basically playing with a Ouija board by herself. And like I thought there was a rule that you can't use a Ouija board by yourself because it's too obvious that you could be cheating. I have never heard of such rule, but like maybe I picked that rule up from a Hollywood movie. <laughs> Probably, whatever. You can't it's not like- do it by yourself because then you know you're cheating, and everyone else knows you're cheating. It's got to be two people. That way, you have plausible deniability. Right. That way, you can both cheat together. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So William Reedy, a skeptic literary publisher, was one of her visitors. And when Pearl asked patients to greet their skeptical guest, she responded by saying, hello, Mr. Fat and Wide. So uh, apparently patience is fat phobic um, and disrespectful. After patience... See, I have a problem with that because... Yeah, because... How does the ghost, like, so the ghost is just right there next to Well, that and, like, manners have always been such a thing in, like, society like that up until recently, which... Why would a 17th century English woman say that? Woman! An English woman! Yeah. No. 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 (laughs) I'd love that explained to me because uh, I got a book on the Victorian era sitting less than a foot from my arm. It was all very proper. Like, obviously, you'd get your person every now and again that did not give half of a fuck about that. And honestly, good for them. But Right. But, and those were typically your lower class as well. There you go. Absolutely. So, like... People were like, I, I don't got anything else to lose. Like, who cares? And the way patients, like, apparently spoke, uh, like, in her first message or the way the books are written, it sounds like she speaks very proper 17th century England English and that right. to me makes no sense that she would speak that way right yeah uh i just was like wow okay rude bitch <laughs> uh so yeah after patience begins dictating more of her works like immediately apparently and reedy became convinced that she was a legitimate because I pearl can see that you're also fat like differ. bruh <laughs> I also can see that I'm fat. I have a mirror. Like, <laughs> I don't need a ghost to I tell me that. I don't need a ghost to tell me how I look. <laughs> right? So, but he had several articles and journals published uh, about patients and Pearl. So, you know, he made money off of this too. Oh, uh, uh, well, there you go. Because it's going to yeah. be like, what does he have to gain out of that? And then money. you're like, oh, he published shit. So, he published course. shit. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, The Sorry Tale was the first novel written entirely by Patience Worth. Did you just say it was called The Sorry Tale? Mm-hmm. This whole thing is a sorry tale. <laughs> it is. It is. I told you, you had to hear this and that it was important for us to talk about it because this is wild. All of this, all of these books were written by a Ouija board. I gotta go. <laughs> Leaving. I mean, here. okay, you and me, let's collab. Let's write a book together with an Ouija board. <laughs> I've got a free range one right there. You do with your free range one. Like, look, we're already quartering the market because who the Even fuck else authentic. has a who has a free range grass fed Ouija board? Do you know how many people ask me regularly? Did you really find that? It's got mold on it, Karen. So yes, <laughs> I'm breathing in black toxic mold right now. Okay. <laughs> right i had to clean parts of it leave me alone like what god (laughs) why is it so believable when people are like my mom played with an ouija board and it scared her so she threw it out into the ocean and then a week later it came back but when you believable but i found one in the fucking but you fucking find one in the forest and people are like "Mm." (laughs) they thought i faked it for a tiktok that never went viral how dare you how dare i I just wanted to like notate how interesting it is that I found a Ouija board. Jeez. But uh, yeah, so it was this, this, the sorry tale was published in 1917 by Henry Holt and Company. The novel was about Palestine during the time of Jesus. You mean Philistine? 
Palestine. I said Palestine, didn't I? Palestine during the moment, (laughs) during the time of Jesus. Don't, don't look at me like that. I could, oh, I will put Agatha in front of me. No, please don't. (laughs) Distinguish the the red eyes are very upsetting. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Especially when you turned it on, it's just all, I was like, uh, I'll hot glue it in later. Um, <laughs> I'll hot glue it in. <laughs> a distinguished historian felt that the novel was one of the best novels ever written about Jesus. Um, the I, Bible. I, really... yeah, I can't. I can't. <laughs> Apparently it's better than the Bible. <laughs> isn't that me? just like straight up blasphemy? I mean, we love a blasphemy, but it's not just like straight up blasphemy. blasphemy. <laughs> but the New York Times gave it a positive review. Oh, I need, we need to talk, okay? (laughs) We need to talk. So some skeptics, of course, accuse Pearl of fraud, as one does. Because (laughs) Because it's fraud. Did just like, did patients come to her and was like, I've had an idea for a book, but I was a woman, so I couldn't publish it. So now you, Pearl, publish it for me. If I had been born in 17th century England and no one let me write my books, Bitch, I would have been dead by 10 for witchcraft. Like, oh, let's yeah, be true. Up. I would have been, yeah, I'd be dead. Uh, just being trans, they'd be like, nope, to the pole. Right? Like, like the, the bitch moment, on fire. Like the moment you came to the realization they're tra- that you're trans, someone was like, bitch, I heard that. Just go. <laughs> I heard your thoughts. I heard you. Just go. Right? Just Are on. you wearing trousers? Go to the just fucking pole. Get on the pole. Just get on go. It get on it hang yourself you know what just set the fire yourself (laughs) strike the match save us here's some oil here's some oil get to it (laughs) yeah no absolutely so can you imagine though if pearl had tried this shit in the 1600s or 1700s she would be dead that's why i feel like the fox sisters timed it like just right just perfect timing yeah to where like that wouldn't get you killed but like people were still very gullible so yeah just, just real niche perfect timing because if they had tried that in like the 16 or the 1700 oh yeah immediately dead immediately nobody would have entertained that so yeah she claims that uh or they claim that she memorized stories that she dictated during the sessions and i'm just like yeah she probably did like it's not memorizing was... if you thought it <laughs> it's not she just like wrote it up and then like showed people after so yeah uh so the scientific community uh, is like up in arms saying that all of this is being written written by pearl's subconscious which obviously her, not even her subconscious her conscience her yeah, waking she just, mind because she, she wrote, wrote the it. story she wrote these stories she just Come wrote on. a book and said a ghost did it right and uh so pearl curran only had a grade school at formal education she rarely traveled outside of missouri so people were like how could she because she, her patients sound so different and then it's high quality literature <laughs> They're all patients is so much smarter than Pearl, so Pearl couldn't have possibly Can you imagine come up with this? Being like, all... mm, Pearl's kind of dumb, so no. <laughs> They're all That's patients. so rude. 
Patience speaks so proper, and Pearl doesn't. Pearl speaks like she's from Pearl's the Pearl's a hillbilly. <laughs> yes. Pearl, is, Pearl sounds like she's from the holler. Like. <laughs> yeah, so in August of 1916, the Kerns decide to adopt, so, which apparently uh, no one was like, like, mm. you want to adopt, really? So they were really shocked, apparently, that the patient, that, I'm sorry, that the Kerns wanted to adopt children. Yeah. But apparently, according to Pearl, patients convinced them to adopt a child. Okay. Now, this is, this is too far. <laughs> and patients predicted that the child would be a girl. I mean, to be fair, that's 50-50. <laughs> you have a 50-50 shot? Yeah. Like, time period and all that. Uh, yeah, so at 8 p.m. on the evening of October 7th, 1916, patients refused to continue the session, claiming that something important was happening at the time. The next day, the, the Currens learned that the child that they were planning to adopt had been born. Interestingly, she had been born at the exact same time the patients told them to stop the session. Patients also accurately predicted physical characteristics characteristics about the child and its mother is all i can think is pearl fucking met the mother beforehand that's gotta be it i mean that, that happens like with open adoptions like, yeah yeah you, that yeah. is all i can think is she met the woman beforehand knew that the child was going to be like a girl because of you know basic telltale signs you old know wives tales yeah old wives tales and stuff and they just yeah. assumed mm -hmm. um a second novel called Hope True Blood is then published in 1918. Shut up. Yep. <laughs> yep. I, this is going, I, I like, I can't. This is distressing at it's, this point. It's so upsetting. <laughs> when I was reading this, I was like, you cannot be fucking serious. This just gets more and more distressing as you The go sessions on. continue until John, like, until the death of her husband, John, who dies in 1922. In 1930, Pearl moves to Los Angeles. And in November of 1937, Patience predicts that the end would be coming soon for Pearl. And a few Spoiler weeks alert. later, Pearl died. So yeah, uh, Patience dies, right? Patience dies in 1937. Um, oh, Pearl. Yeah, Pearl. What's the difference? <laughs> the, the P names getting in my brain there. Uh, Patience and Pearl are the same person. Let's be fucking real. So, and uh, uh, some of the stuff that I looked at, people tried to, and like English people fucking kept records, yo, like hardcore kept okay. records. And there is no record of Patience Worth existing in 17th century England. So, really? sounds made up, fuck, just, I don't know, what do you want me to do about that? But yeah, so over the course of the 22 years that Patience was having Pearl dictate her literature, uh, which, you know what, it is hard to get fucking published, so, you know what, girl, I got you, I, I understand, I, I, get, <laughs> I get it, I get it. it. Gotta have <laughs> that hook. Right? But Patience dictated over 4 million words. That's insane. So many, especially in that time period. Like, like geez. girl, just write your own story. Right? Like, you uh, so, obviously had quite a tale. Right? Uh, so she wrote aphorisms, hundreds of poems, plays, and five fucking novels through the Ouija board. That's 
crazy. Uh, that's dedication. I hope um, you're lying about that because that's Jesus. I I just okay. So she held packed seances in her Louisiana home. Like, like I'm fine with that part. Like if you do some pages, you know, as like a part of a seance. But I hope overall they weren't like legitimately sitting down, being like. Yeah, do some, uh, keep up the ruse, you know, uh, yeah. squeeze those white people out of their money. Get it, girl. <laughs> um, but you sat down with the Ouija board for every fucking letter? No. Oh, you couldn't pay me. Like, I stare at my keyboard at a blank screen whenever I'm trying to write, and sometimes I just want to cry. Yeah, I can't imagine sliding a planchette around a board for no. that has to have been thousands of hours of work if they legitimately took every single letter off the planchette. I can't. Like, that's wild to me. Um, so, yeah, she told people that she could speak to other spirits as well, including World War One soldiers. Can you imagine? I don't like that. That's a but imagine if Ouija boards existed. Just give me some uh you know just humor me for half a second if ouija boards existed would it be fucking wild if the world one world war one soldiers that were pretending to use the ouija board were actually talking to pearl through time that'd be wild wouldn't that be fucking wild? And like that's some sci-fi shit. But like I just I, I like to entertain the concept. If it were real, that would be really cool. Let's go write a book about it. <laughs> hey. Okay, but you get don't you, you steal gotta, our idea. <laughs> you gotta take your ADHD pills and I have to use the you can't we can't do it like this. You have to only talk to me through the Ouija board. And then we'll compare notes. We'll compare notes. <laughs> and it'll be two completely <laughs> different, different fucking books. stories. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So people flocked to her to visit because they wanted to hear about their loved ones that had of passed course. away. And um, so she did far more than just pretend to like write patients' stories. Um, and it was basically, she was like the big opening door for people using Ouija boards to contact um, the the dead. Like, she's the, yeah. the big ex inspiration for, like, a ton of shit, and um, I, I, I would have no doubt in my mind if the Ouija movies are based off of that in, in some way, because... Um, I was reading somewhere they're based off of, like, the rise in spiritualism starting from like the world war two world war two i apologize world, world war one era that's where a lot of the inspiration came from that makes makes a lot of sense but like i, I guess from like the american uh perspective people probably want to attach it to pearl just because she's an american yeah, yeah. well that in like world war one was one of the first instances where you know Americans were leaving the country to go to right. war because even in World War II, or I, what is wrong with my brain today? The even in World War One, the Civil War, <laughs> the Civil War, even that was like so different for everybody because the U.S. was not the expansive land that it is now. It was only like the East Coast and the Midwest. Yeah. So people leaving their homes to go fight in this was like the first time that you know people were leaving going far away from where right. they live so for this i can't even imagine yeah and that like also the start of 
wars just not really taking place on our soil, mm -hmm. which is a huge reason why so many Americans are detached from the war. Oh, and, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, considering there was also, you know, issues like famines and stuff like that. We had the Great mm -hmm. Depression, stuff like yeah. that. We were affected here, but like there was very rarely war war here. Like we had Pearl Harbor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the Civil War. Yeah, and the Civil War. But like the, the Civil War was like between the, you know, the states. So oh, are you it, talking about like a um, like a foreign combatant like on yeah. US soil? Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we've never really experienced that outside of um, the threat of the Cold War and then Pearl yeah. Harbor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but yeah, that's a whole other tangent. But yes. <laughs> so during this time period, like, you know, the whole early 1900s, most people were just like, the, the board's fine. Harmless. Yeah. Right. Just it's a thing I, that you use. I get it. Like anything to yeah. give yourself that comfort that yeah or like the possibility even like i'm sure everyone at that time knew i mean they're still to this day hard and fast believers right but even mm -hmm. back then even if there was the possibility that it was legitimate right would be a lot for somebody who's you know grieving or mm -hmm. don't, they don't know you know what i mean yeah, and so the like uh, at that time the Christian community was trying to claim that it was demonic and an instrument of the devil, uh, but the science like the science was more like ruled back then, mm -hmm. um, which it's a lot more complicated now. But basically, um, more people listen to your Harvard like you know specialists and stuff like that than they would listen to the Christian community right. um, about stuff like this, and it was dismissed as being harmless and. It, it honestly <laughs> didn't really become a huge demonic phenomena, I believe, until the 1980s. Um, I saw, that's what I saw. And in fact, yeah. I still have the article up. Let me see. Uh, this article kind of postulates that the exorcist is also what kind of skyrocketed it. Like oh, yeah. in the 1970s into being seen as like the sinister thing that it is. Yeah. And but yeah, so Hollywood plays a huge part in that. And yes. so what I am thinking, uh, because this is where we're going to wrap up uh, probably for this episode. And I'm thinking that we will not, maybe not anytime soon, but in the future, do a uh, third episode attached to this. But it's going to be more focused on Satanic Panic as a whole. So that I feel we like can... Satanic Panic could be so many episodes by itself. Yeah, I mean, it could be a whole series. Uh, but we'll start with like the Ouija board in 1980s. And that, because that's going to be such a big I change in what the Ouija board, Ouija board is. I know that you're still in like season three of Stranger Things, but in season four, they do this really great nod to the Satanic Panic. It's <gasps> I'm so excited. Um, yes. And I'll start watching it tonight after I stream tonight. Um, we, like, Eli's gonna wear their new Stranger Things t-shirt. And we're gonna cook up our Stranger Things pizza. I'm re-watching it. I started watching yeah. it again yesterday because it's super so excited. Uh, good. A huge, <laughs> like, if anybody's interested in Satanic Panic stuff or you find that fascinating, um, while it's still on Netflix, I really, really suggest that everybody watch let me get the proper name for it um give you the wrong thriller um <laughs> but 
We Summon the Darkness. Uh, it's about some um, teenage girls who go to a metal concert and uh, during the time period where a cult, uh, a satanic pan uh, the satanic panic is going on and a satanic cult is being uh, noted from several murders across the country. And uh, that's like your basis of it, but it is going to turn everything you think about in terms of like like uh, these types of thrillers and slasher flicks right around on its head and it is that sounds very like knives good. out <laughs> uh yeah yeah it twists it twists, twists your basic like trope and get makes it so much so much different uh but yeah that's gonna be the en end of this side of, of the road trip and we will take you somewhere new next week. New adventure shall be upon us. Um, will it be Savannah, Georgia? Perhaps? Will it be? <laughs> who fucking knows? I've been working on a deep dive into Scotland. That's why I haven't really taken yeah. the wheel because um, there's so much. <laughs> the next time I take the wheel, it's either going to be the hotel episode or it's going to be um, about the pianist. The penis? the penis um <laughs> what was it called the pianist um oh the psychic pianist the psychic pianist so yes. uh and that one's gonna be for uh pride month so I, this is our first episode for uh pride so happy pride everybody happy pride my favorite thing about pride month is like when Poppy is like, everything that I don't want to do is now homophobic. Yep, absolutely. I'll be, like, I'll be like, hey, you need to clean up your room. And they'll be like, that's homophobic. Like I said last <laughs> night, everything that even slightly inconveniences me in the month of June is homophobia and transphobic. Honestly, at this point, like my house has now become like wallpapered with pride <laughs> flags because it's always... Well, stop popping out gay babies. It's me. I'm a gay factory. You are a gay factory. I love that video where he's like, was my mom just like at the gynecologist? They're like, okay, ma'am, let's take a look. And then he like leans over and it's like, everybody yeah. <laughs> yes, I love that video. But yeah, uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we we love you. We do. We love all of you. We do. Uh, stay safe out there. And we will see you all on our next adventure. Bye. Bye. That's all for this part of the journey. Our drivers will gas up the hearse, and the rest of you, well, good night. Sleep tight. And remember, those aren't bed bugs biting you when a limb slides off the side of the bed. <laughs>